If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. As Leonard Seppala's trusty dogs pulled his sled across the frozen tundra, the veteran musher gripped the handlebar with everything he had. With the freezing wind blowing directly in his face, letting go meant certain death. That is, if the cold didn't kill him first. Factoring in wind chill, he estimated the temperature was a deadly 85 degrees below zero. It was only early afternoon, but night was already descending on Alaska, dropping the temperature even lower. However, Seppala wasn't thinking about his own safety. He was thinking of the children in Nome, slowly dying from diphtheria. In 1925, diphtheria was a death sentence, unless they could be treated with the vials of serum securely nestled in Seppala's dog sled. And though the road ahead was full of peril, Seppala had a secret weapon. His lead dog, a 12-year-old Siberian husky named Togo. A true veteran of the trails, Togo had seen it all. As Seppala peered into the icy darkness, he could see Togo's tail wagging back and forth like a metronome. It didn't matter how cold it was. It didn't matter how hard the wind blew. It didn't matter how many miles they had to run. Togo would make sure the medicine was delivered safely. Welcome to Dog Tales, a ParCast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. I'm your host, Alastair. You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dog Tales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type dog tales in the search bar. This is our first of two episodes on Balto and Togo, 
two heroic Huskies who participated in the Great Serum Run of 1925. Balto and Togo were key runners in an emergency dog sled relay from Ninana, Alaska to the city of Nome. With no roads leading to the tiny mining town and the sea frozen over for the winter, this 674-mile dog sled relay was the only way to transport the vital medicine needed to stop a deadly diphtheria outbreak. This week, we'll follow Togo and Leonard Seppala as they help transport the serum across the Alaskan interior. Next week, we'll pick up at the end of Togo's journey and follow Balto's quest to bring the serum to Nome. When Togo, the Siberian Husky, was born in October 1913, nobody expected much from him, least of all his 35-year-old owner, Leonard Seppala. Unlike his powerful father, Sagan, Togo was undersized and weak. At first, it seemed like the black and gray puppy might not even reach adulthood. Shortly after he was born, Togo got sick and his throat swelled. If not for Seppala's wife, Constance, nursing him back to health, Togo would have surely perished. Despite Togo's health issues, Seppala harbored hopes that he might still follow in his father Sagan's footsteps and become an outstanding sled dog. Known as King of the Alaskan Trail, Leonard Seppala was one of the most skilled sled drivers in the Alaskan Territory. He exclusively used Siberian Huskies. While they were much smaller than traditional sled dogs like Malamutes and Samoids, Siberian Huskies had more stamina and were better at running as a team. Seppala had a kennel of about 15 Siberian Huskies. Sugan was the best of them. With Sugan leading the way, Seppala used his Pupmobile to supervise 110 miles of ditches that provided water to the pioneer gold mining company's claims. When the need arose, he would also transport supplies and passengers to various mining camps. Everything in Seppala's life revolved around his dogs. He put time and care into making sure his team ran like a well-oiled machine. Seppala raised each of his dogs from the time it was a puppy. He was so devoted that he would sometimes even eat with them. It wasn't uncommon to see him surrounded by dogs, tearing off strips of dried salmon with his teeth and sharing them with the pack. When Togo regained his strength, Seppala wanted to train him to be part of his sledding team. Unfortunately, Togo proved untrainable. Perhaps spoiled by Seppala's wife's coddling, Togo was mischievous and liked to annoy the other dogs. Togo was so badly behaved, one reporter remarked the puppy was showing all the signs of becoming a canine delinquent. Seppala didn't want to waste his time on such a rascal. No matter how hard he tried, Togo wouldn't listen to him. He just wasn't cut out to be a sled dog. And if he wasn't going to be a sled dog, he wasn't going to live in Seppala's kennel. 
When Togo was six months old, Seppala gave him away to a woman who wanted to keep a husky as a pet. Domestic life wasn't any easier for the precocious pup. No matter how many treats and cuddles his new owner gave him, Togo couldn't be tamed. A few weeks after Seppala gave him away, Togo broke through the window of his new home and ran several miles back to his old master. When Togo appeared at his door, Seppala couldn't bear to turn him away. He might have been a terror on four legs, but he was incredibly loyal. That same loyalty would almost get Togo killed. In the weeks after Togo's return, Seppala decided to let him run alongside the team when they went out for deliveries. Seppala might not have thought Togo was of any use, but he wasn't about to leave him cooped up at home. Siberian Huskies need to run. The indigenous people of Siberia actually bred Huskies specifically for traveling long distances. Seppala shuddered at the thought of how many more windows would break if Togo couldn't let out his pent-up energy. But just because Togo was getting his energy out didn't mean he was well-behaved. Whenever they approached an oncoming team, Togo would run up to its leader and nip at him. It was as if he was trying to push them to the side and make more room on the trail for Seppala. As long as these antics didn't upset the other drivers too much, Seppala let it go. He knew that trying to get Togo to stop was a lost cause. One day, Seppala's team crossed paths with a sled pulled by a group of mean-looking Alaskan Malamutes. Weighing in between 80 and 100 pounds, these dogs were twice the size of Togo's mighty father, Sagan. Compared to them, 46-pound Togo was like a teacup chihuahua. However, Togo didn't realize the danger they posed. Just like he did with every other dog team on the trail, he ran up to the leader and nipped at him. The Malamute didn't take kindly to Togo's pestering. He bared his teeth. If Togo nipped again, the Malamute would return the favor, and then some. Togo didn't get the hint. When he nipped at the Malamute a second time, the other dog pounced. Pinned to the snow, Togo was powerless. Seppala and the other driver ran to separate the dogs, but there was nothing they could do. When the Malamute finally retreated, the snow around Togo was red with the puppy's blood. Seppala leaped into action. Gathering Togo in his arms, he urged his lead dog, Sugan to take them to the next town as fast as possible. Togo may have been a pain, but he was still Seppala's dog, and he took care of his own. Despite his injuries, Togo made a full recovery. The encounter with the Malamute was a painful but valuable lesson. From then on, whenever he went onto the trail, Togo knew to give other dog teams a wide berth. It was one of the most valuable skills a sledding dog could learn. Two months later, 
Togo finally got to put that lesson into action. Coming up, Togo defies the odds to become a sled dog. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Now back to the story. Around May 1914, Leonard Seppeler was hired to take a prospector to a gold strike at Dime Creek, 134 miles from Nome. Because the prospector was in a rush, Seppeler couldn't afford to bring eight-month-old Togo along. He'd distract the other dogs too much. But Togo couldn't stand to be left behind. The night after Seppeler departed, Togo broke free from his tether in Nome. He cleared the seven-foot fence surrounding the kennel and took off after his master. The next morning, Seppeler was shocked to see a little black streak running down the trail. It was Togo. Seppeler grinned and shook his head. He couldn't believe that Togo had made it this far. But his amusement quickly turned to annoyance. Even though Togo had learned to avoid other dog-sled teams, he was still a pest and a distraction to Seppeler's own dogs. Seppeler didn't have time to waste on Togo's nonsense. The prospector had paid him good money to get to the gold strike as soon as possible. With no other choice, Seppeler slipped a harness over Togo's head. He put him at the back of the team, in wheel position. Back there, he couldn't do much damage, and Seppeler could keep an eye on him. But the moment Seppeler clipped Togo onto the line, a change came over the dog. All of a sudden, Togo settled down. His ears pricked up. He worked with the other dogs, keeping the tug line taut and his eyes straight ahead. Togo's boundless energy had been channeled into relentless focus. Seppala looked at his dog in wonder. He realized that Togo wasn't an out-of-control wild child. He just behaved that way because he wanted to be part of the team. And from that point on, he was. Throughout that first day, Seppala kept moving Togo up the team's pecking order. At first, Togo started in back with the wheel dogs. Because they're so close to the sled, wheel dogs must be extremely strong and even-tempered. At 46 pounds, Togo wasn't big enough to be a wheel dog, 
and besides, he was too smart to be relegated to such a menial position. After seeing Togo's proven focus, Seppala put him with the two swing dogs. Located directly behind the leader, their job is to steer the sled. If they don't react correctly to the leader's movements, the sled could veer off course or flip over. Togo excelled at that too. He was so good at navigating that Seppala decided to move Togo up one more spot to the leader position. Curious to see how he'd do, Seppala harnessed Togo next to an experienced lead dog named Rusky. Instead of following other dogs, he'd be taking commands directly from Seppala. Whether it was a left turn haw or right turn G, Togo was extremely receptive to Seppala's commands. By the time the sun set, they had run 75 miles. Considering that most sled teams average about 10 miles per hour and can only run for a few hours at a time, it was an incredible feat for an eight-month-old puppy like Togo. He might have been young, but Togo ran like a veteran. When he was harnessed, he maintained laser-focused on his tasks. He had an uncanny ability to size up obstacles and kept the other dogs on his team in check. From that point on, Togo was Seppala's number one dog. His ride or die, quite literally. Over the next decade, Seppala always made sure to bring Togo along if he had to traverse dangerous terrain. It was extremely important for Seppala to have a lead dog he trusted with his life, especially when he had to cross the deadly expanse of the Norton Sound. Although crossing over this 42-mile stretch of sea ice could be a handy shortcut along the Alaskan coast, it was extremely hazardous. Even a skilled musher like Leonard Seppala would be out of luck if he got caught in the wrong circumstances. One day, Seppala and Togo were on a run that required them to cross the Norton Sound. Before they ventured onto the ice, the weather had been clear. But in the middle of the crossing, Seppala and Togo were hit by a sudden northeast gale. If the weather got any worse, the ice could break up, trapping them on the sound. Seppala ordered Togo to head for land. But it was too late. Seppala and Togo became stranded on an ice floe and soon were floating into open water. As the current carried them toward the Bering Sea, Seppala had no choice but to hunker down and hope the wind brought them back to shore. But after several hours, nothing had changed. Sensing they were in trouble, the other dogs started to howl, but Togo remained calm. All of a sudden, he let out a low yelp. They were drifting back towards the shore. Eventually, the ice flow they were on drifted up to a piece of shore-fast ice, but the current 
would only carry their little ice floe so far. There was still about a five-foot channel between death and salvation. Seppala couldn't cross the gap, but Togo could. After tying Togo to a long lead, Seppala tossed him across the gap. The dog skittered onto the shore-fast ice and strained against the lead with all of his might. The strategy had worked. With Seppala and the other dogs anchoring him, Togo started to pull the separated ice floe to safety, bridging the gap of freezing water. But then, the line snapped. Now that he was untethered, there was nothing stopping Togo from running away, but he refused to abandon his master. Togo leaped into the freezing water and grabbed the broken lead. Scrambling back onto the shore-fast ice, he rolled over the rope so it looped around his shoulders. This time, the line held. Togo pulled the separated ice floe across the channel, allowing Seppala and the other dogs to cross over to him. They made it back to the coast in one piece. All thanks to Togo. Seppala made sure to repay the favor. Throughout the next decade, Togo and Seppala were inseparable. One friend remarked, one does not speak of one without mention of the other. When they weren't working, they were playing. Seppala loved to romp with Togo at night, trying to grab the dog's paws as Togo danced around him. When they were tired out after a long run, Togo would simply sit next to Seppala by the fire. Even as Togo got older, he was still Seppala's lead dog. By the start of 1925, Togo was 12 years old. He may not have been as spry as he used to be, but the 48-pound Siberian Husky was just as strong as when Seppala slipped that harness over his head when he was a puppy. He had also gained a wealth of experience in his years leading Seppala's teams. Togo knew every inch of trail throughout the Alaskan wilderness. He could recognize every scent, hear every subtle change in the ice underneath his feet. With his canine senses, he knew those trails better than any human ever could. And that knowledge was about to be pushed to its limit. In January 1925, Seppala and Togo were recruited for their most important job yet. An emergency 674-mile relay to bring a case of diphtheria serum to Nome. Diphtheria is one of the world's deadliest diseases when unvaccinated and untreated. Populating in the back of the throat, diphtheria bacteria create a thick membrane that makes it nearly impossible to breathe. Because of these symptoms, the highly contagious airborne disease is colloquially known as the strangler. And once diphtheria has you in its grip, it rarely lets go. Before proper treatment, nearly half of all cases were fatal. 
Unfortunately, diphtheria's early stages can be easily mistaken for a sore throat or tonsillitis. Without modern-day medical technology, it's difficult to tell the two apart until it's too late. In Nome, that's exactly what happened. On Christmas Eve, 1924, Nome's town doctor, Curtis Welch, diagnosed a seven-year-old girl with tonsillitis. Thinking that all she needed was bed rest, Dr. Welch resolved to check up on her once the holidays ended. She was dead three days later. Although Dr. Welch wrote in his journal that tonsillitis can turn fatal, such cases are extremely rare. In retrospect, he was almost certain she had died of diphtheria. Though a vaccine was invented in 1923, in 1925, the only available remedy against diphtheria was a serum created using diphtheria-resistant horse blood. Normally, Dr. Welch kept a stock of diphtheria serum at the hospital. However, it had recently expired, and the new batch he had ordered never arrived. With no serum, Dr. Welch had no hope of treating a diphtheria outbreak. He could only cross his fingers and hope that he was wrong. He wasn't. By January 21st, two more children had died from definitive diphtheria cases. Dr. Welch knew that without a new batch of serum, the disease would spread through Nome like a wildfire. That same day, he sent an urgent telegram to the U.S. Army Signal Corps requesting an emergency diphtheria serum delivery. As the government scrambled to locate the nearest serum cache, Nome City Council tackled another problem – how to get it there. The nearest railroad was in Ninana, 674 miles to the east of Nome. And while there was a group of aviators willing to risk a flight, the only planes available were older models with open cockpits. With temperatures hovering around 30 below zero, Alaska's governor wasn't willing to entrust the serum to such a risky venture. Ultimately, the city council settled on the tried and true method of dog sledding. There was only one hitch. Normally, the journey from Ninana to Nome took a mushing team 25 days. To get the serum to Nome faster, the council decided to get it there via relay. One dog team would take the serum halfway from Ninana to Nome. A second would meet them there and bring it back. Whoever drove the second team had to be an exceptional musher they would have to get to the halfway point as quickly as possible, then turn back around and head for Nome at top speed. There was only one team for the job, Leonard Seppeler and Togo. To make such a long haul, Seppeler decided to take 20 of the 36 huskies he had in his kennel. Normally, he wouldn't take so many dogs to carry such a light load. However, speed was of the essence. He and Togo needed all the help they could get. 
But even with such an urgent mission, there were still some dogs Seppala thought weren't up to the task. One of them was a six-year-old dog named Balto. Like Togo, Balto was a Siberian husky. He was stockier than Togo, with black fur everywhere except for a white chest and forelegs that made it look like he was wearing socks. Although Balto was strong, he wasn't particularly fast. He rarely ran with Seppala's principal teams and was mostly used for freight transportation. With a big, boxy body and a barrel chest, Balto was always eager to work. But Seppala decided he would be sitting this one out. He needed his best dogs for the serum run. Balto wasn't one of them. As Seppala prepared his team for the long run ahead of them, a batch of serum was finally located in Anchorage on January 26th. It was immediately sent on a northbound train to Ninana. Once it arrived, the serum run would officially begin. The morning of the 27th, Leonard Seppala left Nome for the halfway point of Nilato. With Togo leading the way, he would travel 315 miles in just a few days and then turn around and do it all again. The weather was a bracing 20 degrees below zero. For many, this temperature would be a sign to stay inside and drink hot chocolate by the fire. But for Seppala and Togo, it was perfect sledding weather. With clear skies and no wind, the team set off on their sprint to the east. As the sled skimmed through Nome's quiet streets, a crowd gathered to see Seppala off. As Togo led the charge, Nome's beleaguered residents couldn't help but feel a swell of hope. If anyone could safely deliver the serum, it was Seppala and Togo. Kings of the Alaskan Trail. As they watched Seppala's hunched frame disappear in the distance, the cheering crowd quieted. Their hope turned to fear as the full force of what lay ahead hit them. If the diphtheria serum didn't reach Nome, the highly contagious disease would continue to spread unabated. And as a deadly blizzard began to brew, Seppala and Togo would have to use every ounce of their hard-earned knowledge to survive the race. Coming up, Leonard Seppala and Togo are tested in ways they never imagined. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This episode is brought to you by Bin Verified. 
Help chip away at the uncertainty that comes with online dating and use beenverified.com, a leading platform for online background searches and people search reports. With their powerful search tools and extensive database, you could easily gather information about potential dates, which may help you find peace of mind before taking that next step. You can never be too safe when it comes to dating. Get 20% off today to help take control of your dating game. Visit beenverified.com slash podcast. Now back to the story. On January 27, 1925, 47-year-old Leonard Seppeler and his 12-year-old dog Togo left from Nome to participate in a massive dog sledding relay to transport a case of diphtheria serum. With no other way to get the medicine through the Alaskan interior, it was up to these brave mushers to save Nome from being ravaged by this deadly disease. But even if they got to the intended rendezvous of Nulato, there might not be any serum for them to pick up. Leonard Seppeler may have been the most accomplished musher Alaska had ever known, but the territory's governor knew that even he would struggle to complete the arduous 630-mile round trip that was asked of him. If the serum was going to get to Nome, Seppeler would need some help. On January 30th, more mushers were called to join the relay. Although Leonard Seppler would still take the most perilous leg, other teams would help relieve his burden. And instead of relaying the vials of serum at villages and inns, they'd hand them off on the road instead, for ultimate expedience. One of the additional men called in to participate in the relay was Seppler's co-worker, 42-year-old Gunnar Carson. Before he left, Seppler had given Carson permission to use his dogs in case the mining company they worked for needed anything. If he did, Seppler told Carson to use a Siberian husky named Fox as his lead dog. But Carson didn't like Fox. He liked Balto. Perhaps Carson saw some of himself in Balto. Like Balto, Carson was stuck doing menial work while Leonard Seppler became famous for his racing victories and speedy deliveries. Everyone in the Alaskan interior knew Seppler and Togo, while Gunnar Carson and Balto toiled in the background. Ignoring Seppler's advice, Carson clipped Balto into the lead position on his gangline. He had no idea how consequential that choice would be. As Seppala and Togo sped along the coast of the Bering Sea, they were unaware of the new strategy for the relay. Since time was of the essence, the serum wouldn't be waiting for them at a roadhouse. It would be lashed onto an oncoming sled team. This team was racing to meet Seppala and hand off the serum on the trail. If Seppala decided to go off-trail like Wild Bill Shannon had, or if a snowstorm reduced the visibility, the two teams could pass each other without knowing it. If that happened, a far less experienced musher would be forced to undertake the most dangerous part of the relay. Crossing the Norton Sound the same area where Seppala and his team would have died years before had it not been for Togo. 
Known as the Ice Factory, the Norton Sound posed huge risks to dog sledding teams. In addition to its ever-changing ice formations, the wind speed could reach up to 70 miles per hour. On top of the risk of the wind flipping a sled and tossing dogs and men alike into the air, the powerful gales could create a wind chill of an unfathomable 100 degrees below zero. When the temperatures drop that low, a person's breath can freeze the moment it leaves their lungs. If Seppala became stranded out on the sound in such unfavorable conditions, he wouldn't last long. And early on the morning of January 31st, a storm was brewing. Seppala's team had already traveled nearly 170 miles in a little over four days. With the winds picking up, he knew it was only a matter of time until the Norton Sound became impossible to navigate. If Seppala was forced to take the overland route, it would increase the journey by at least a day. But every day lost was another day diphtheria gained. He decided to take the risk. It turned out to be the right decision. The wind from the growing storm was actually at Seppala's back. The extra boost allowed Togo and the other dogs to speed over the Norton Sound at an astounding 23 miles per hour. As Seppala passed a fishing cap called Ungerlik, the dogs picked up even more speed. Seppala couldn't believe it. They were practically flying down the trail. Up ahead, he could see what had gotten Togo and the others so excited. There was another dog team up ahead, stuck in the snow. There was a reindeer on the trail, and the dog's lines had become tangled in their attempts to chase after it. But Togo was more disciplined than these other dogs. Keeping his teammates in check, he pulled Seppala's sled right past the embattled musher. Normally, Seppala would stop and see what was wrong, but the mission was more important. As much as it pained him, Seppala kept going. Once again, the tailwind from the growing storm saved the day. It carried the stranded sledder's shouts, allowing Seppala to hear his fateful words. The serum! The serum! I have it here! Seppala immediately slammed on the sled's brake and turned around. The new relay plan had nearly ended in disaster, but now Seppala had the serum. He only had a few more hours before the storm made the Norton sound impassable, if he was lucky. It was late afternoon, and the sun had already gone down. The wind that had proved so helpful on their eastbound journey was now a punishing headwind. It was so loud that Seppala wouldn't be able to hear any indication that the ice was cracking. If they were going to make it back across the Norton Sound safely, Seppala would have to once again put his total faith in his trusty sidekick. Seppala 
clicked his tongue, and Togo turned the sled to the left. Racing across the Norton Sound, the path was dangerous, but Seppala knew it was a risk they had to take. With so many lives hanging by a thread, every second counted. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with part two of Togo and Balto's story. As the diphtheria crisis deepens, these heroic dogs will fight the elements to deliver the serum to Gnome. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Joel Stein and Carly Madden. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Alex Benedon. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>